2: Hola amigos, this is Ray Hudson from BN Sports and Sirius XM FC, and you are listening to Barca Talk.
0: Today on Barca Talk, El Clasico ended in a 2-0 loss for FC Barcelona at the Santiago Bernabeu. One goal from Vinicius and another from Mariano Diaz went unanswered by a Barcelona squad with good chances, but a failure to convert. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for Barca fans. I'm Brian Henderson, your host in Buffalo, New York. Joining me from Madrid, Spain, is my co-host and your tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga.
1: Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. I'm annoyed, Brian. Sure you are. <laughs> of course you are. We all are. We're all annoyed. Oh, man. And that- It's raw right
0: now because we're recording right after the game finished. Yeah. So we've, we have that rawness going on. You actually sound kind of exhausted, if I'm honest. Well, it is 1130 here at night. I mean, we talked.
1: To- and you just finished watching that, that game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can see my hair is standing up, right? Because I've been pulling it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, man, I wish this game was on Saturday. That's the first thing. Remember, we always joke around. They never, you know, t- talk to us about scheduling these matches because there's always difficult on these partidasos on Sunday nights. You know, when we have to record and stuff. And and on top of that, with the Classico, man, just make it a party. Make it on Saturday. At least I could have gone to the bar and had some drinks and c- kind of forgot about this performance. You know, is there. Sort of like a,
0: a silent agreement in Madrid that if it's the day after a Clásico on Sunday,
1: like you could roll into work a little late yeah or you can be a little hungover there is there is there definitely is but also it's just that you can also just go in later as well and that's the thing right. you know like it was funny to say earlier um i went to have a coffee and i was walking around my neighborhood and already i w- everyone was out in force with real major jerseys and so you know it was classical day because you know normally you don't see that uh, especially in my neighborhood and people were already getting ready so i knew at that moment i was like okay I, you know i'm kind of getting excited, getting geeked up a bit, you know, definitely more than back in uh, December, essentially with Valverde's team. I definitely thought, you know, uh, we were going to have a better performance, show up, you know, have a little bit better effort. But again, Brian, I was talking when my friend was here watching with me and he just kept asking me questions, you know, during the match and so forth. And my answer just kept coming back, Brian, which is annoyance, annoying and annoy, you know?
0: (laughs) So he was just asking you, like, how do you feel right now? How do you feel about yeah, this?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was just asking me, you know, like, for example, uh, you know, he's he's like, well, what's, what's going on with Busquets, man? He looks so old. And I just keep telling him. I was like, since 2009? Like, you know, the things I say on the podcast, essentially, you know? And i yeah. just like, oh, my God. And his fouling just annoys me because... A lot of times, you know, not not to just to take this one match, but, you know, throughout the season, just a lot of his fouls, especially when he gets yellow cards, have just been annoying in that he's just out of position and he doesn't have the spry legs like he used to, you know, and it just goes back to that. And again, you know, we're going to talk about this more, but again, I just thought the performance was really bad as, as well. And on top of that, Brian, Vinicius and Mariano, the two most annoying Madrid players for me right now and the way they scored the hackiest goals. It's going to go down in the newspapers as these two Brazilian guys coming in and saving Madrid, basically. Right. Isn't Mariano Dominican? Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. But still. But still. You know what I'm saying.
0: Well, I definitely know what you're saying in that, you know, it's annoying when, when Real Madrid players score. Period. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We don't, we're not fans of that. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think more importantly, especially like with the Vinicius goal, like the way he scored, like it looked like either was a pass, slash going for a far corner, and then PK just trying to play good defense makes a deflection. But more on top, you know, it's just, again, this season, as we've seen, it's just been a complete roller coaster. You know, we had a decent performance against Napoli. You know, I wasn't able to talk to you about this. But again, it's just we have no consistency. We don't know what we're going to get from game to game. And that's really difficult, especially, you know, as being a Barca fan of this core group of the last eight to 10 years. You know, we knew what to expect. And every time, you know, as uh, Alejandro said on Friday, you know, Kike Setien went to dinner with Pep to try to pick his brain. You know what Man City did to Real Madrid in the Champions League. And I didn't see anything, Brian, that resembled any of those similar tactics from Man City to tonight's game.
0: Yeah, but I don't think that that was going to really be in the cards. I mean, it's nice that they had a a glass of wine together <laughs> and they had a chat. That's nice for them, but there's no way that that was going to translate to
1: a different style from Barcelona in this game. For sure, and, and again, I you know I was just as you can see my hair. I was just I was just annoyed. You know, I just kept pulling my hair, just like just go straight, <laughs> <laughs> just go straight. Why are we going side to side all the time? And it just oh man. Anyway, you got to give Real Madrid credit because, again, they they were able to hold home court. And again, Brian, this is the first time we've been scoreless in a Clasico in quite some time.
0: Yeah, we're going to actually break down the match in a second, and that's where we're going to start when we talk about that. I have a couple of things to share with everyone before we do that. First thing, we've been talking about this a little bit already, about the Houston Kool-Aids, our friends over there in Houston, the Pena there have launched this campaign. It's their third year in a row doing it uh, to raise money to send youth players from their community to the Barcelona soccer camp this summer. And this is what the Houston Kool-Aids have to say about it on their website. We look to make an impact in our local Houston community through our yearly sponsorship campaign to send youths to FC Barcelona soccer camps. This project in conjunction with our friends at Barca Talk Podcast has a goal to send four youths to camp this summer at an average cost of $500 per youth Please consider donating what you can. And you can check out a one-minute video from last year's camp at the Houston kool website, which we have a link to in the details for this episode. On our end, here at the show, we're setting up an offer to donate to this campaign. We have a goal right now of reaching 100 members on Patreon by next Sunday, March 8th. We're at 83 members right now. So if we can reach that goal, we'll donate $100 to this campaign. So your membership, your contribution of support of $2, $5, or $8 a month on Patreon could multiply to $100 for this project. So what you can do is follow the link at the top of the details for this episode to go to our support page, where you can link through to Patreon, join up, support the podcast, and help some Houston youths get the opportunity to learn to play football the Barcelona way this summer. If you want to just skip all that and donate straight to the cause, we're all for that. Just follow the link at the bottom of the details for this episode to go to the Houston Coolies website and donate directly. And the other thing is a message from La Liga Zone Tour. Attention La Liga fans! The La Liga Zone Tour is coming to So Five Soccer Centers this spring. Open to kids and adults, the La Liga Zone Tour is going to be a huge fan fest with cool swag, skill challenges, and open play on eight indoor fields. And in between games, participants will be able to test their La Liga knowledge at the quiz booth, take pictures with the La Liga trophy, or study the Wall of Fame and watch live games on TV. Last but not least, each event offers an incredible sweepstakes for all participants. One lucky attendee will win a trip for two to see their favorite. Favorite team live in Spain. Accommodations, flights, and tickets included. So mark your calendars. April fifth, the tour will be in Columbia near Baltimore. April eleventh in New Jersey. April twenty sixth in Elkins Park near Philly. May third in Brooklyn, and finally May tenth in Rockville near D.C. Tickets are only thirty dollars per person, but you can get a five dollar discount when you join Patreon and support Barca Talk at any level. All the information is available at so5.com slash LaLigaZone, and we do have a link to that in the show notes. Now, a spate of loans and lack of signings to replace them in the last transfer window, paired with some key injuries, has left this Barcelona squad thin. And this has opened up spots, on the bench at least, for players from the B team to spend some time with the first team. And there have been additional ripple effects that come out of that. Here, with a report on that, is Max Bleuer.
2: Barca Bay players continue to see plenty of involvement with the first team, as the sheer lack of fit senior players has seen Ronald Araujo, Ricky Pooj, and Alex Collado, the name but three, all getting to know very well just what the benches at Camp Nou feel like. Collado was even on the bench for the Classical this weekend, while there were no fewer than four Barca Bay players, if we include Ansu, on the bench for the Napoli game. Of course, this depletion at the top has a knock-on effect. The Barca Bay players promoted to the first team are being replaced from even younger talents below them in the under-19s. Elish Moriba, a rangy midfielder who's drawn comparisons with Paul Pogba and who signed a huge contract in the summer has been enjoying minutes recently with Ricky Puj away with the first team. Likewise, with Barca's only true centre-forward, Ray Minaj, being called up by Setien recently, Gerard Fernandez, known as Peke, has been seeing minutes recently too. The 17-year-old striker has already scored 21 goals for the under-19s this season, incidentally the same amount as Ansu Fati last year, and made his mark on his first start for Barca Bay scoring in the 3-2 loss to Villarrealbe at the Johan Cruyff. Hopefully, players like Elias and can take their chance with the B team and prove that they are not just making out the numbers while Ricky Pujinko are away with the big boys. So plenty of new faces for Garcia Pimienta to work with, not just from La Masia, but from outside Barcelona too. Hugo Guillamon, captain of Valencia's reserve team, has been the subject of speculation that he's on Barca's radar. Barcelona-based newspaper Sport think that the young centre-back, who made his debut for Valencia last week, He's on the verge of signing for Barca on a free transfer in the summer, when his contract with Los Che expires. Although Valencia B are not doing particularly well, Guillermon is highly rated within the game. He was part of the Spain squad that won the European Under-19 Championships in the summer. That Guillemón is captain of Valencia B speaks well of his leadership skills, while his left footedness is a plus two. This being the Spanish media, though, there's always another side to the story. Sport might claim that Guillermon is on the point of signing, but the other Barcelona-based football newspaper, Mundo Deportivo, claim that Barca have ruled this out his signing, as Barca Bay already have plenty of centre-backs. This may be true for now, particularly after Santiago Ramos Mingo was picked up from Boca Juniors, but Araujo is already fourth-choice centre-back for the first team, and looks likely to permanently join the first-team dynamic in the summer, while the long-term futures of both Gerard Pique and Samuel Antitti are somewhat in doubt. With Barca's finances in the state that they are, it would make much more sense to have several options coming through the B-team to eventually replace these two, rather than be forced to spend big on a more established star but long-term playing like this has never exactly been the current board's forte. Another possible new signing, and one who would arrive immediately rather than in the summer, is Victor Pastrana. The long-term nature of the injury suffered by Hiroki Abe means the Barca are allowed to bring in a replacement for him, a mirror image of the dembele Braithwaite situation. Pastrana, a forward at Segunda División outfit Extremadura, is the man at the top of the club's list, after ex-Barca Danny man Dani Romera turned out to be impossible. Pastrana has been in and out of the Extremadura team this season, but he would bring experience of high-level football that is currently lacking at Barca Bay. On the pitch, Barca Bay are going through a little bit of a slump, with last weekend's 0-0 draw at home to Hercules, the team's second home game in a row without a win. With Kike Severio suffering an injury, Abe already ruled out, and the likes of Caedo and Ricky offered the first team, Barca have been struggling to break down teams of late. The Oculus game was a prime example of this, with the visitors sitting deep and inviting Barca onto them. Despite the best efforts of Ricky, who did appear in this game, and decent chances for Ayoko and Minaj, the game ended goalless. The boys are having a better time of it away from home though, with off- opposition teams less likely to sit back, and so leaving barca a little bit more space in which their talent can shine. A couple of weeks ago, barca went away to Levante's beating and beat them 2-1, with first half goals from Alex Coyado and Kike Saverio. The boys had shown a great deal of character to come back from 1-0 down and head into the break 2-1 up, and the scoreline didn't move after half-time. barca remained remain in the fight for a playoff spot, they were away at Orihuela this weekend. I'll have more details on that in a couple of weeks. And we'll host Iago Stella this Sunday. For last Talk, I'm Max Bleuer.
0: All right, so let's get into this Clásico match. Let's break it down. Uh, this was match day 26 in La Liga. Second Clásico of the year at the Santiago Bernabeu. Real Madrid did win 2-0. Two unanswered goals. And we looked it up, and it looks like Barcelona have not had a year where they didn't score a goal in a Clásico since 1975
1: yeah which is crazy right i mean i mean we again we had some chances tonight but again just to be held scoreless especially with how bad both defenses are it's it's absurd to me and again we're going to talk about this in a second but again that's just a crazy stat you know since 1975 older than you and i <laughs> yeah yeah not put together
0: no, no, no. but you know our average age for sure so to start breaking it down first thing i noticed was the lineup was very clearly or what looked to me very clearly like a 442. I guess it depends on how Vidal was going to be playing because he has been in this more advanced role lately. Maybe it was more of a 433. What did you see out on the field? Yeah,
1: it was definitely geared more towards a 442 and again, Vidal had a lot of free range as well to go up the middle and so forth, but again, Brian, I just Again, it just goes back to the formation and tactics and, and the players that we're using. I just don't agree with the Vidal thing. We needed Brathway to start because we need the center forward. If you're going to use a 4-4-2, you need a static forward to help kind of pin that center back pairing of Veron and Ramos, you know, so they're actually occupied. But I mean, how many times did we have the ball? There was A, no movement up front and B, Veron and Ramos didn't have to focus on a, on a center forward that was in front of them. Because what Griezmann and Messi do, you know, obviously they do a lot of free-flowing. They're going in and out and stuff, which is great. It's great. But you have to have that center forward to pin the line to keep that static, right? And again, Vidal doesn't prove that. And by doing that, we're playing with like a double false nine, essentially with Messi and Griezmann. And it works, you know, on these counterattacks. But, Brian, how many times on counterattacks we just stopped cold in our tracks? Like so many times. Yeah,
0: every time. Yeah, man. Just about. I mean, there was almost no real counterattack action. No one really making those runs and really threatening. Everything got stalled. Yeah.
1: And then on top of that, I would say the other substitution for me is Alba. Okay. And it's crazy to me that, you know, Alba hasn't played so many games recently, you know, two to three to four games. You get out of a a rhythm, you know, and to put him back in so soon, especially in the Classico, to me, now he didn't look obviously, as you know, he didn't hurt us as bad. But at the same time, you could just see he made some really bad fouls. He almost got ejected. And I just would have felt more comfortable with Furpo and then just bring an Alba in the last 15 to ease him in. Because remember, you have to look at this as a long term solution. So for me, Brian, you know, I like the Artur De Jong Busquets midfield. I think that's fine. But again, for me, it's just the Vidal situation. It's it's always going to this question, Brian. What are we trying to do? What is our advantage and how we're going to attack? Earlier, you were complaining
0: a little bit about Busquets. So are you really OK with Busquets being in midfield or are you just saying that?
1: No, I am because we don't really have any other options. You know, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally would have just flooded the midfield with, you know, go go with five. You know, if we're going to do this, you know, Griezmann-Messi experiment with the two forwards, then overflood that midfield even more and put more people, you know, But two false forwards, two false forwards, exactly. (laughs) But again, I really have this contradiction with this 4 3 3. You know, we just don't have the personnel for it. I have other options that I would love to play, but you know, we just don't have the depth right now. And we have to use Busquets. Now, Busquets had a decent game tonight. I mean, towards the end, he definitely tapered down, you know, when, when it was starting to get mad play and was going back and forth. And you could see he created a lot of fouls. But again, our players are playing out of position. And that is a big part of the problem. We're not getting the, the, you know, the 100% efficiency out of these players.
0: Yeah, and I was actually surprised that Breathwaite didn't start because even though he hasn't had many minutes, he only had those 20 last weekend, he looked good. And we know that he's going to bring something. He's going to bring that number nine tactical element to the game that without him, we're, we're just not going to have with Griezmann or Messi or anybody else. So I was really expecting him to start. And when
1: he didn't, I was surprised. I was surprised, too, because I thought he was going to be a safe choice, you know. And again, you always have to have a forward occupying those center backs, right? Especially in this modern, you know, we know that Ramos is not the most disciplined, you know, center back. So that's what you need. You need someone to occupy him in front of him, always nagging him, because that's going to allow that space for Griezmann and Messi to work behind him. Now, I was really surprised. And that's the other thing, Brian, when Braithwaite came in. What position did he play? He played right wing. It's like, yeah. it, it, again, it's it's putting these players in the wrong situation, and they are going to be 60% efficient as opposed to 90 or 100, you know? And Braithwaite needs to play up the middle. That's where he's used to. So does Griezmann. But putting Griezmann out wide, putting Messi in the wrong position as well, you saw the discombobulation that happened for most of the, of the game. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so even though we
0: lost 2 nothing, uh, Real Madrid scored later. They scored in the second half the first half i think did belong more to to barcelona but we just couldn't seem to convert there was one moment in the 21st minute when griezmann got this cross in from Jordi alba for me he really should have converted on not or would have converted on maybe eight nine times out of ten but he sent it over the goal
1: yeah that's crucial you know in these big matches you know it's you know like they always say the game of inches right and you know it's just being disciplined and having the correct you know Technical ability to put your foot out properly and just hit it nice, you know? And I, you know, obviously tried to do too much and tried to get it upper 90, and it was actually upper 180. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Again, I don't blame him on this because I was telling my friend the same thing. It's, you know, we're always second guessing this because we're able to see the replay and so forth. But in that moment, you know, so much is happening and Griezmann did a really great thing. He did like kind of a faux run where he pretended he was going to go forward more. He stopped, retracted back, waited for Alba Pass, and he was all set to do that. But again... As we always talk about when Messi scores, Messi doesn't always score the most powerful goals. It's all about angles and geometry. And Griezmann just had to realize that he had an open opportunity. He even had more time than he thought, and he could have done better with it. And that was really crucial because, you know, going forward, we didn't have that many more chances. And that was clearly one of the best chances we had in the game. Yeah, and like Messi had that other good chance later on. Uh, But there was also in the 35th minute, the Arthur chance that went wide. Yeah, this was a really great play. It was with Griezmann who fed him a nice through ball and Artur B. Cruz on a 40-yard dash, essentially. Now, my only critique with this is always, you know, if you're a player going down that left sideline, shoot with your left, you know? You, it's You Again, it's a game of inches, and I know, like I just said, I don't want to criticize, but also you have to know when someone is chasing you, right, that you have no room for error. You have your left foot protecting the ball. So just hit that better. The way he opened up, he almost did score. tour needs to shoot more. You know, we've seen throughout the season that when he has the opportunity, he usually tends to pass first. But he just needs to shoot a little bit more and he'll get more confidence and he'll be able to if he can provide with five goals this season, I'd be perfectly happy with that because I know he's going to provide more assists in that season. So, again, it was a really great opportunity, really great build up play from Griezmann. Right.
0: And if Arthur could get five goals this season, that would be amazing. But more importantly, the fact that he's shooting would help out a lot, because if you know that he's not going to shoot. You know that he's just always going to be looking for the pass. That makes it so much easier for the defenders. And you've said this many times. I'm really just
1: parroting <laughs> things that you've said. I mean, again, you know, like you said, the first half really kind of belonged to us a bit more. You know, even though you know the types of play, you know, when we were, you know, when we were trying to build up from the back, it was really slow. Right? We were going side to side. The only times that happened when when there was chaos or a little bit of a counter, but even on the counters, we were slow. Now with this Griezmann Artur link up, it happened at midfield where Artur ran up the sideline and was able to catch Cruz sleeping. But again, you you notice that that they were playing so high on us that the only opportunities we had to beat them in space was like these little plays, and that didn't happen very often until the end of the of the game. But we're still slow, Brian. We're still going side to side, and we never want to go forward, and that's really lacking, especially you know especially after halftime. Well, still in the first half,
0: 38th minute, this is the Messi uh, chance we were talking about. Messi with a breakaway, had a great shot and a
1: good save by Courtois. Yeah, I mean, the announcers here were flipping out with the save. I mean, I think Messi should have done a bit better, you know, because it went straight towards the middle. But I know he was being hounded by two guys, and that's a difficult place. Again, you know, when at this moment, Brian, we've had three really good opportunities. I just felt like it was coming. You know, I felt like but this was ultimately one of the last chances we had in the game where we really had a great opportunity to get a goal. And so, you know, if you look at these first three plays, you're like, OK, we're building something. At least even though we're static, we're still having these opportunities. But after this play, essentially Real Madrid kind of just shut us down even more. And they were able to dictate play from that point on. Yeah. And they seemed to make better adjustments at halftime than we did.
0: We came out essentially just continuing to try to do the same thing. Meanwhile, Madrid actually changed things up in the second half. First event of the second half that was... I think this was the last bright spot for us, really. Or second to last, maybe. 56th minute, this shot from Isco. Very good shot that Terstegan parried out for a corner kick. And that was, I think, the second to last highlight for, uh, for
1: Barcelona in this game. Yeah, I mean, this was the same thing that every team has seen on us on tape, how slow we are to mark up on corner kicks. And I don't know if you saw after this play, after Ter Stegen made the save, how he was yelling at the players. And again, it's the same thing. He was telling them to mark up, basically. And it's the same thing. Isco was able to catch a glimpse. He made a shot. It was a really nice shot, but a better save by Ter Stegen. Again, Ter Stegen made some crucial saves in this match because it could have been three or four nothing in this in this end result. So then the last bright spot was uh, how
0: in the 69th minute Braithwaite came in for Vidal and he almost immediately helped create a chance. But that play broke down. We didn't score. And then Vinicius scored for Real Madrid in the 71st minute with that deflection off Piquet. The thing about that play, the buildup really was you could watch the replay and see how Tony Cruz was signaling Vinicius to make the run and he was waiting for him. Then he sent the ball through for him. And for me, it was just way too much time. Cruz had way too much time to set that play up.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to dissect here. I mean, with the Braithwaite thing, he came in. He was direct. He was pressing right away. He basically got a turnover and was able to go the other way. I thought for sure from the angle... Of the camera, I thought it went past Courtois. You know, I thought it got lifted, but it was actually going the other way because <laughs> it got deflected. Yeah. <laughs> it was an optical <laughs> illusion. Exactly. So, and I was telling my friend, I said, "Okay, great, Braithwaite's in. I think he's going to play the center forward. I think this is going to really open up." But then all of a sudden, he just stayed on the right side, and I was like, "What? What's going on?" And like I said, he started playing the right wing. But Brian, on this play, this is all Semedo, man. Semedo got sucked in, and guess who had to chase down that that angle? Was Braithwaite. He just literally yep. went to the other side. He came back. Semedo has to do better to, you know, this is what we talk about La Masia DNA coming in to be able to diagnose and see plays ahead of time, anticipating those things. He was three seconds so late on this play to see this develop. Remember, you don't have to chase the player all the way to his end. You know, you just have to pass him off. And that's what essentially happened. He was marking him. Cruz did a great job by, I mean, the idea that he signaled him to go that way, which never really happens. I mean, how much time do you have to have? And again, Vinicius, you know, he was hurting us on that left side for most of the time. And Semedo held his own for most of the game. But in this opportunity, Vinicius came, (laughs) chunked the ball, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) And PK came in and the deflection went past uh, Ter Stegen. So, again, just a really bad turn of events because, you know, on the the front end, Braithwaite almost gets the goal, doesn't then has to run back. Semedo doesn't cover him. Then Braithwaite has to even run further down. I mean, he just came onto the field. What do you expect? He just ran 80 yards, you know? So again, just, again, chaos with defense and communication, as we've seen all season, and it led to the first goal by Madrid. Yeah, and like Braithwaite didn't really have anything else to speak of for the rest of the game. Exactly, because he was on the right wing, you know? He's never played right wing, essentially, you know? And so... I was hoping he was just going to play up the center, and I think that would have really helped us because you could see the pressing, and, and also Brian—he's a threat in the air. You know, he's more than five foot four, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know he's he can challenge better for those balls with Ramos and Varane than Messi or Griezmann, let's say. And again, I just the, the whole tactical lineup that uh Setien went with tonight, I just completely disagreed. I think it took our players out of it. And you have to credit Zizou. He was able to make tactical changes, and when he did, you know, in the first half, Ryan, Madrid didn't really press us that much, and also in the second half, they pressed us every time, and we could not get the ball out. And we signed Braithwaite
0: because of Dembele's uh, unavailability for a long period of time. But that doesn't mean that Braithwaite has to play Dembele's position. Clearly, we got a number nine. That's what Braithwaite is.
1: He should be filling in for Suarez. Definitely. You would never see Suarez out there. No. And that's the thing. When I think of Braithwaite, I don't think of his dashing speed, you know? <laughs> but I think of more of his physicality, the way he's able to turn, hold the ball. And that's that's exactly what you need from a nine that's up the middle. And I think that's what we really need. And again, you know, for for me... As we always talk about the Messi conundrum, you know, I thought Messi had one of his worst classicos, you know, because yes, he did have some shots on goal, but I think overall his, his thumbprint on the play on the offense, he was covered at all angles. And that's because we didn't have the balance as always, as I always talk about on the right side and the left side. And to me, you know, again, Madrid did a really good job in this, in their center part of the field to really block Messi's passing and ability to make plays. And that ultimately hurt us because we couldn't think of anything else. So we're down a goal. And then in the
0: 81st minute, Rakitic and Ansu Fati came on for Artur and Griezmann. At this point, what were you expecting? What were you hoping to get out of that change? And did you get
1: it? No, I I didn't get anything I wanted and I got nothing. (laughs) Basically a lump of coal. I mean, I understand he's trying to shake things up, but again, it's putting players in the best position. Now, Fati obviously has to go left wing, right? But I still think I want Griezmann in the game because he is a world-class player, you know? And he wasn't showing me anything that he was slowing down or not doing anything. Obviously, we talked about his first half performance, how he had the shot that went awry, And yeah, he did have a quiet performance. But it really leads up to the midfield linking up with the, the final third. And I think... Put the kitchen sink out there. I mean, we talk about this. There's no desperation, you know. I don't think it, it was already one nothing. What, what do you? Have, what else do you have to lose? Put everyone else out there. Go for it. Instead, we're super conservative. Rakitic look out of place as always here. And I didn't get anything I wanted.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And then
0: uh, shortly after that, we got even less that we wanted when Mariano Diaz, making his league debut with Real Madrid. In fact, he hasn't played at all except for in the Supercopa. Uh, this year he's been on the bench or injured most of the time he came on for Benzema in the 91st and then scored
1: in the 92nd yeah this is I mean my first thing with this is Benzema another 90 minutes without scoring so uh, not the best number nine in the world and the other thing uh, for me is again Alba was caught off you know he was walking and he was tired you know he hasn't played 90 minutes he gets run on uh, Utiti had to chase him down. He got beat. I mean, Utiti had a good game. I mean, we didn't have any mistakes. And this was the one thing that Mariano had fresh legs and Mariano chunked the ball essentially too. And that went past her Stegen. And so it was unlucky for us to concede that goal so quick because we still had a little hope. But at the same time, Brian, I just, as I was telling you before, I was just annoyed by the, everything that we were doing. And I just really didn't think we we're going to come up with a, with a game time goal. Yeah, and now Madrid are one point ahead in La Liga. We had
0: we had points on them going into this, and now we're one point behind. So do you think the league is still
1: salvageable? I think so. It is, but again, this goes back to the mental toughness of our team that we had a clear opportunity to stomp on them, you know, especially with the week that they had, right? So they're not in Copa del Rey. They had a really bad performance against Man City, so it doesn't look like they're going to advance against in the Champions League. And the newspapers here were saying this is the worst week of Madrid, you know, for the season. And we had a clear opportunity, Brian, to just either get points, you know, and move on. And, again, we weren't able to do that. And, it's again, it's just the overall feeling of this team, Brian. You know, it's not, like I said, veterans, old coaching, tactics, the board, everything put together, you know. And we just still couldn't come up with the goods, especially in this match. It's, it's a, you know, obviously it's the most viewed match worldwide not only that but also just like we said in la liga this really could have put a stamp on the on the season for us you know and given us more breathing room and now it doesn't and honestly it doesn't surprise me just because of what we've been going through the last two seasons but i just expected more and i was really proud to see pk for example demonstrate what it meant to be like the captain, the heart of Barca, because for me, he was the one player, and maybe Ter Stegen as well, that was really fighting for every inch when possible. And everyone else, I just kind of didn't get that feeling as much, especially in the last 15 minutes when we were really trying to push for it. Yeah, you know, it's tough when you've been playing that long. So this is to
0: PK's credit, the fact that he's been playing for for Barcelona for so long. He's played so many Clásicos and he was still up for this match. And you can't really say that for Busquets or Alba. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's hard to gauge with Messi because they were just so on top of him and there were other things that were creating obstacles for Messi to be himself.
1: For sure. And again, as we talk about, Brian, we know when we talked about in the beginning of the season, is Messi a good captain? And this is one of the moments where I just want to see someone, just anyone, just Go crazy, you know, Puyolet or, you know, uh <laughs> who is the other guy? um Javier uh, Mascherano, you know, I just want someone just to go ape, you know, like, <laughs> but no one does. And I understand that they're professional athletes and so forth. But at the same time, just someone just give me s- what I'm feeling, you know, and it just feels like it's just another game, you know, and another that, day at the uh, office. Exactly. And that's disheartening for me because. I really didn't see that fight. And like I said, PK, especially when PK missed that header at the end of the game, I felt it, you know, and even the commentators here were saying like, you can see it in his face he's trying, he's doing everything. He went up front in the last five minutes to try to do something. Even Ter Stegen went for the corner kick. But again, Brian, it's just old hat as we've been talking about. This team needs a revamp. We are sold. We need new tactics. We need players to fit a formation. That's going to fit Setien's style because, we're still having this issue. I mean, today he went with a four-four two. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, we thought we were over this. I thought we were gonna do four three three more.
0: Yeah, or when he first came on, we thought we were gonna do a three back system more.
1: Yeah, and I also thought we were gonna win like four <laughs> three. You know, <laughs> yeah. and and still the dynamic is still low. You know, it's still low. We're still trying to possess the ball. And in this match, Brian, you know, we still won the possession, but barely, you know, fifty five percent, something like that. Again, yeah. it's just like I said, you see my hair. It's just annoyance, annoy, annoyed, you know? <laughs> yeah, well,
0: settle in because you're going to be doing that for at least another year or two, I'd say. Yeah, I
1: know. Unfortunately. I mean, you know, again, I, I really just want to see just more direct play because I think ultimately we have to just score more goals. And we just our defense isn't good enough to contain this possession where we don't even try to go into the box. You know, we're scared yeah. to go into the box.
0: Well, that just about does it for today, I guess. (laughs) We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. We'll be talking about uh, any news and notes about the club or the team that might come up, and we'll be introducing a new voice onto the show. We've been uh, expanding the team, and we're going to introduce someone new to you on Wednesday. So that should be fun. So we'll be back Wednesday. Barsa Talk is a production of Sound It Media. Our social media and promotion is handled by Two Point Go. Until next time, Bisca Barza.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.